Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This weekend with your host, Gordon Deal. An epidemic of chronic illness. I'm Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Here's what's coming up this hour. A new investigation finds erosion in the lifespans of Americans is worse than widely recognized. We'll examine why. On the personal finance front, financial hits get bigger for two main reasons as we get older. Are they avoidable? Bad news for travelers, problems with weather, delays, pilot shortages, and unruly passengers aren't going away anytime soon. And evidence that younger generations in Georgia are losing their southern drawl. That the accent was really strong through the, the baby boomer generation, so people born you know, after World War II. But then it dropped off significantly starting again with that cohort, you know, the Gen X cohort people born roughly between 1965 and 1982, and it has continued to fade. Scott Calvert at the Wall Street Journal on the Georgia accent slipping away. Well, with opioids and gun violence having rightly seized the public's attention, stealing hundreds of thousands of lives, chronic diseases are the greatest threat, killing far more people between the ages of 35 and 64 every year. Why does this happen in America, where we brag about the greatest health care? Here's Joel Achenbach, science writer at The Washington Post. Joel, explain. It's the chronic diseases that are, that are, that are robbing us of so much life, okay? It is the, it is diabetes and obesity. Uh, cancer is on that list. It's not always a chronic disease, but heart disease, um, you know, lung disease. These things are, are striking a lot of people in their 40s and 50s, and they're not making it to retirement age. Economic, political, and racial divides are part of this problem. Explain. Well, if you talk to any expert on public health, they will talk about the social determinants of health, which is that you know, these, it, it's not just up to individuals to, you know, uh, you know, go to the gym and, and eat their salad. I mean, our, our society tolerates and has created a lot of the conditions that result in these bad health, health outcomes. You have food deserts in poor neighborhoods. You have a lot of uh, inequality when it comes to basic things like income. You know, can you afford decent food? Uh, basic things like access to health care. You know, do you, do you have a doctor? Can you even find a doctor? You know, what is You know, what's your insurance situation? There's a lot of th- factors that go into these determinants of health. Our story, you know, is a combination of a lot of data analysis, a lot of expert analysis, but also we talk to real people and, and the bulk of the story is 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 their their stories about their own lives and i think it it puts a face on this issue it makes it it feel real these are people that that i hope that the reader you know understands you know what they're going through we're speaking with joel achenbach science writer at the washington post his piece is called dying early america's life expectancy crisis uh there was somebody who made a fascinating point in your story who said hey if we came in last in the olympics that would get a lot of attention so why isn't it that this attracts more attention than it is, or should be attracting more attention? Well, well. so th- this has generated headlines. When I say this, the fact that America has poor life expectancy compared to other countries, there have been a lot of stories about it in the news and columns about it. But what you haven't heard 
is this become a big political issue at the top level of government? I mean, the people running for president aren't going around talking about America's poor life expectancy. Now, why is that? Part of it is that it it's such a complicated issue. I mean, like, where's the, where are you even going to get a hold of it? Where are you going to uh, say, hey, we need to do this to improve life expectancy? Some of the things are kind of obvious. Um, you know, we we you know definitely need to help fight you know poverty and things like that because a lot of the people who are not living very long they're just poor it, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. Um, but it's a it's it's such a thorny issue. I think it's elusive at the political level. Um, there's no obvious advantage for one of the big parties or the other party to t take it on because I think that it's. It's um, it's a little bit of a no go zone uh, for, for for them, and so it it lurks in the background of the national conversation uh, rather than being you know issue number one. Touch on if you would then uh, life expectancy in the U.S. versus say peer countries. Well, the U the U.S. a gap began developing back, uh, I believe, around nineteen eighty. Uh, there are some academic researchers that have been pointing this this out. What's striking is that the, the gap has been growing kind of steadily in the last 15 years or so. Like right around 2010, American life expectancy just went flat. And we, we wrote about that and, and we blamed it uh, in, you know, in our newspaper a lot on opioids um, and because that was that was when that epidemic was really taking off and taking a lot of young people's lives and and uh, many of us know people who 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 died of, of overdoses and that was a big part of it. Um, but but what our data shows is that it's these underlying chronic diseases that are really suppressing our life expectancy. Thanks, Joel. Joel Achenbach, science writer at The Washington Post. Coming up next, why flying won't get better anytime soon. Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide. Hey, glad you're with us. From climate change to fewer flights taking off, aviation experts are sharing why it's been a hellish year of travel. Monica Humphreys, travel reporter at Insider, says it's not going to get better anytime soon. Monica, start with the pilot shortage. I think it's ultimately a result of, of the pandemic and of 2020. Um, we watched airlines give pilots the opportunity, voluntary buyouts, early retirements, um, trainings were on a pause. And then the result three years later has been, we don't have enough pilots to fly the planes. Um, and so it's kind of just been this, this ultimate decision of how do we retain pilots? Um, can we push back retirement ages? Can we um, train at faster rates? How do we get enough pilots to meet, meet the demand of the travelers we have right now? Yeah, all right, so the simpleton in me says, okay, go hire more pilots. <laughs> I, I, know it's not, I know it's not that simple. Yeah, it's unfortunately not. Um, I, I think pilots really it involves so much training um, and so much behind the scenes work that I think maybe the everyday person or the everyday traveler isn't aware of. Um, so fill, to fill the gap that we have now, 
um, the trainings are going to take years. Um, and so it's, it's not something that can just be solved overnight with a simple job fair, unfortunately. Something else that stood out to me uh, that surprised me, you said current workers in the airline industry are not happy. Yeah, yeah. So that's been another major issue um, experts pointed to. So we've seen, especially in Europe, uh, but also in the U.S., just um, everybody from flight attendants to pilots to air traffic controllers um, really standing up for their working conditions and really pushing for higher wages. Um, and the result of a lot of, of that, the action has been strikes. And and when strikes are going to happen, it's going to impact the travelers. It's going to impact the business. Um, and so the result is canceled flights. The result are delayed flights. Um, and so we've just been seeing, um, I believe it was, I mean, thousands of, of flights and, and train rides too are included in this, but um, just thousands of travelers have been impacted by, by these strikes around the world. Mm. We're speaking with Monica Humphreys, travel reporter at Insider. Her piece is called Flying is a Nightmare and it won't get better anytime soon. So there's not enough pilots. Uh, airline workers in general are not happy. Passengers don't know how to behave anymore. What a combination. And on top of that, there's just uh, nobody seemed to be ready for travel demand exploding the way it has. Yeah, so ultimately kind of the fix that airlines have have found is flying fewer planes to meet, but flying bigger planes. Um, so we have this shortage of people, so we don't have pilots to fly the planes. We don't have air traffic controllers to direct the planes. And then when planes are broken, we don't have mechanics to fix them. Um, but meanwhile, we have nearly as many people traveling as we did in 2019. Um, and so ultimately the solutions a lot of airlines have turned to is flying fewer planes, but flying larger planes. Um, and we're packing planes, we're packing these large planes, but it's also impacting travelers. Um, so they don't have as many options. They don't have options to these smaller domestic locations. They don't have as many flight times or days available to choose their flights. Um, and then also when something goes wrong, um, it's a lot harder to fix. What about the role of weather here, Monica? Yeah, another another hot topic. Um, I, I think experts have been warning for years that climate change is going to massively impact the aviation industry. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of that this year. Um, we had record-breaking heat waves. Air turbulence has been a hot topic this year as well. Um, so we're just seeing these extreme weather incidents become more and more frequent. Um, which is what experts have predicted. But I, I think travelers are beginning to really feel that now. So feel those delays and those cancellations when hurricanes are coming or thunderstorms are impacting flights. Um, and then also feel it firsthand. So I think air turbulence, as I mentioned, has been something a lot of travelers have experienced more of this year. Um, and that's a result of climate change. Um, and so ultimately, again, Travelers, I mean, this isn't a problem that's going to be fixed anytime soon. And so I think travelers can expect um, to kind of go into to these airports and book flights, knowing that weather might be impacting their flights, along with all of the other things we've just talked about. Thanks, Monica. Monica Humphreys, travel reporter at Insider. Coming up next, what's happening to the Georgia accent? Did you know traditional bedsheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? 
The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle Made bed sheets. Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle Made is self cleaning, self cooling, luxurious, eco friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. Trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Thanks for spending time with us. Younger generations appear to be losing the distinctive Georgia Southern drawl. What's going on here? Here's this weekend's Jennifer Koshenka. The thick drawl that has been a staple in Georgia for hundreds of years appears to be fading. We get the story from Scott Calvert at the Wall Street Journal. Scott, what does new research say about the Southern accent? Well, this study for the first time documented a pronounced waning of the Peach State drawl. Um, and it really started with um, Georgians who were born sort of in the mid-1960s. So they analyzed, these, these linguists, uh, 135 voice samples of people who were born between 1887 and 2003, so a long stretch of time. And what they found was that the accent was really strong through the, the baby boomer generation, so people born you know after World War II. But then it dropped off significantly, starting again with that cohort, you know, the Gen X cohort, people born roughly between 1965 and 1982, and it has continued to fade. And, you know, a lot of uh, college students in Georgia these days, according to these researchers, you know, they sound an awful lot like their peers all around the U.S. without much of a draw to speak of. All right. Why do we think this is happening? Well, they point out that, you know, starting after World War II, there was a steady influx of people from around the country to Georgia especially Metro Atlanta, which has been booming for decades. And so you've just got tons of people who aren't from Georgia and don't have a drawl uh, living in Georgia and raising families. And, and, you know, that seems to be the main factor. Is there somewhat of a city-country divide as well? Well, they say it's most pronounced, this, this sort of fading of the accent, in Metro Atlanta, in urban areas, um, and that, you know, you're going to find the strongest accent still in rural areas. But even that is changing, according to these researchers. You know, and they'll tell you that the, you know, the, the boomers born in Atlanta have thicker draws than some of the young people in, in more rural areas. Are regional accents changing elsewhere? They are. So this study tracks with research that has uh, found similar changes elsewhere in the country, including, uh, you know, the Chicago accent. Um, and there was another, another research, another study that found a similar effect in, in North Carolina. So it seems that, you know, a lot of what's happening is there's just sort of a leveling of these, of these accents across the country because there's just so much mobility. And also you can think about exposure to TV and, and YouTube videos and, and things like that. We're speaking with Scott Calvert at the Wall Street Journal. Yeah, Scott, what does perhaps media have to do with all this? Well, I mean, I think, I think you know, people are, are, are watching TV and YouTube videos and, and all of that sort of thing. And so I think that the, the sounds that, that, that young people 
all around the country um, are exposed to, you know, it's all it's all pretty similar, and it's different from how things used to be, you know, back in the day. And it's interesting because, you know, the 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 the, the boomers in Georgia who are now mostly sort of in their 60s and 70s, you know, they'll say things like "dress for dress" and "prize for prize," and, and you you really hear it. And I spoke to a mother son, so she's in her mid 60s and has a really thick accent. Her son is in his early 40s and really doesn't have much of one at all. And so it's just really striking to see that much of a change just from one generation to the next. Are there drawbacks to accents, especially in the workplace? Well, you know, it's interesting because the the Southern accent, you know, when I was talking to people, there's almost like a love-hate kind of relationship, I guess, where there's definitely a sense of pride. It's part of people's heritage. It's part of their identity. It's part of what it means to be a Southerner. But... You know, the Southern accent in particular has been pretty widely ridiculed and still is by a lot of people. And I met a woman or spoke to a woman who um, was uh, spent her early years in Georgia and now lives in South Carolina. She was looking to make a career change a few years ago and to get into acting. And she was worried that her Southern accent would, would hold her back, make it hard to compete. And so she actually hired a speech pathologist who has a business helping people you know, modify, sort of smooth out their their accent, their dialect, their way of their way of speaking. So, it, there there is a, a perception that it can definitely be a drawback. That's this weekend's Jennifer Koshenko with Wall Street Journal reporter Scott Calvert. Thirty minutes now after the hour on this weekend. One thing we all have in common is a need to feed. If you're like me, you love to eat and want to eat right without much pre-planning and shopping. Enter HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Kickstart a fresh fall with HelloFresh handling all the meal planning and shopping. They do the work, you take a bow. Plus, HelloFresh is more than just dinners. There's breakfast, quick lunches, fresh snacks, tasty, time-saving, and delivered to your front door. HelloFresh's convenience, variety, and quality keep me eating right all day and night. Right now, save from the start. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh's menu offers 40 recipes and over 100 add-ons. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon and use code 50Gordon for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Say goodbye to boring meal plans and HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh.com slash 50Gordon. Thanks for spending time with us. First full weekend of October, Gordon Deal with Jennifer Koshenka. Coming up this half hour, is there still such a thing as the American dream? Also, why iPhone and Android users fight over phones. And the story of a Miami Hurricanes football fan who dresses in full uniform and pads. That story in about 20 minutes. Well, with so many young people burdened by student loan debt and questioning whether they'll ever be able to afford a home, here's a question. Was the American dream ever real, or was it a mirage? USA Today is looking at how a younger generation is setting its own terms for what constitutes a life of financial stability and fulfillment. Here's reporter Sharice Jones. Sharice, your findings. You know, young people are burdened by student debt, home ownership prices, and interest rates are through the roof. Um, older people are having to work longer to help their kids. Um, and because the safety net doesn't have the benefit of a pension anymore. And so a lot of folks feel that the American dream, as it's typically been, um, outlined is out of reach. But what I argued uh, in a column that I wrote 
is that it's always really been tenuous, right? Depending on who you were and where you came from, mm -hmm. obtaining it was always difficult. But what's really heartening is a younger generation is really redefining what it means to be financially solid, stable, and fulfilled. And I think that's really a good thing. Yeah, it's almost like that... Uh... I don't know, that, that, that definition that was sort of made up of the American dream, uh, this younger generation has pulled out their eraser right, and, and scribbled <laughs> right. something else down. So what, in what ways are they defining it? Or is there just not something we're going to call an American dream now? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good way to put it. I think that people are just more about, you know, what they value as opposed to keeping up with the proverbial Joneses. Mm -hmm. So you've got young folks who may choose not to go to college because it's prohibitively expensive and perhaps an apprenticeship will get them where they want to go. Uh, Generation Z saves more than any other generation, which I think is really interesting, but they also spend more, but they spend more on what they want to spend it on. So somebody might um, go to a thrift store because they care about the environment and they don't wanna spend a lot on clothing, but they'll spend a small fortune on a Taylor Swift concert or, or to go see Beyonce mm. or to take a trip to um, some exotic locale they've always wanted to visit. So I think that they're trying to kind of redefine it on their own terms, in part because they feel that the typical ideal is just something that's gonna be really hard to get. 65% of Gen Z, 74% of millennials feel that they're starting from a place that's further behind financially yeah. than older generations. And two thirds of Americans agree with them that they're facing hardships that their parents and grandparents did not. Yeah. So they really don't have a lot of choice but to try to mold a future that looks different from what's been expected in the past. We're speaking with Sharice Jones, economic opportunity reporter at USA Today. She's written an opinion piece called The American Dream Has Always Been Elusive. Is it still worth fighting for? Um, you mentioned student loan debt. Home prices as well always seem to just, like to your point before, this generation starts further back, it seems. Yeah, you know, home prices are, I mean, a house is kind of the cornerstone for building generational wealth, right? And it's a fundamental piece of what we have defined as as making it in this country. And at this point, it's going to cost you, you need an income of about $64,000 a year to buy a starter home. Um, starter homes are averaging more than $200,000 in cost. Um, interest rates have been hovering above 7%. And, and all of that is very difficult, especially when your debt burden for millennials, 36% of their debt burden is assigned to what they have to pay back for what they forked over to try and get a college education. Um, it's going to cost you nearly a quarter million dollars to pay for a kid to get through their 17th birthday who was born in 2015. In some states, childcare costs more than it does to attend a public four-year college. And so the barriers are really steep and we as a nation will have to make much more of a concerted effort if we want the traditional vision of the American dream to be something that everybody can, can obtain or achieve. Thanks, Sharice. Sharice Jones at USA Today. As we get older, the financial hits often grow far larger for two reasons. First, we're typically wealthier, which means the potential dollar losses are bigger. Second, as we age, there's greater risk of things like divorce or maybe hefty health care costs. 
Jonathan Clements at HumbleDollar.com shares a couple of his hits. Jonathan, what prompted this? I think what prompted it was looking back at the past five years, Gordon, and realizing that I've really been on a bit of an unlucky streak, you know. And when I think about the dollars involved, you know, I find it pretty horrifying. I mean, as you know, Gordon, you know, I've spent my life trying to be frugal. You know, I um, ended up being able to retire at least partly because I've been frugal my entire life. And when I look at the tens of thousands of dollars that I've had the misfortune to lose over the past five years, it really does pay me. Yeah. All right. So you you mentioned like uh, an an investment you tried with a startup. Yeah. So a number of years ago, I was approached about getting involved in a financial startup and the financial startup morphed over time. The participants morphed over time and eventually it came to an acrimonious end. And at that point, we had to wrap up the business. And so we had to hire lawyers in order to negotiate the settlement. When I add up all the money I put into it, it was definitely north of $10,000. Exactly how much, I'm not sure. Um, But on top of the money, and probably even more painful to me, is the amount of time I sunk into this venture. But one of the things that I think about looking at this venture more than anything is that I never would have done this when I was younger. You know, when I was early in my career, I simply wouldn't have risked the money involved and I simply didn't have the time to do this. You know, something like this, getting involved in a business venture, at least for me, was only something that I would do in later life when I had some financial, some some money to spare. Um, But unfortunately, when you have money to spare and you risk it on a small business, sometimes things don't work out. Yeah. So is it a regret or just sort of a lesson learned? Or, or both, I, I guess. I think it's a little bit of both. It's it's definitely a regret. I mean, anything, anytime something goes badly wrong, it's a regret. But I did learn a lot about what it takes to launch a small business. And one of the things I mentioned in the article is that something that came out of the startup was something called the two-minute checkup, uh, which existed as a spreadsheet. And now it's been um, translated into HTML code and it sits on the Humble Dollar website. So for anybody who wants a two-minute checkup on their state of their finances, go to the site. There's a uh, part of the navigation. It says checkup. And you go there, you can do the two-minute checkup Mm. and find out where you stand financially. We're speaking with Jonathan Clements. He's the founder and editor of HumbleDollar.com. He's written a piece called Growing Pains, and it's about financial hits as we get older. How about your divorce? You kind of took us behind the scenes there. Yeah, so Gordon, I've actually, um, to my chagrin, been married and divorced twice. I got divorced back in the 1990s, you know, when I was relatively young. And then I recently got remarried and ended up getting divorced um, after just five years of marriage. Uh, It's a long story, but... What happened when uh, my now ex-wife announced that she wanted a divorce, she was advised by a family member to hire the best Manhattan divorce attorney you can and screw him over financially. Nice. And yeah, that was lovely words. You know, fortunately, I've been very careful to keep our finances separate. So there was no financial screwing over that occurred. Mm. Nonetheless, you know, if you accumulate a certain amount of wealth, and um, in your life, you know, you become a target. And I've been pretty careful with my money. You know, I have a seven-figure portfolio. And the result is this made me a target. And, you know, 
I, they did indeed try to take me to the cleaners. It didn't happen, wow. but it does put you at risk. Thanks, Jonathan. Jonathan Clements, founder and editor at HumbleDollar.com. Coming up next, are you a Google psycho? Bring smiles to all when shopping online with Dell Technologies Gift Guide. Whether it's for the artist, the entrepreneur, the student, or the streamer, you'll find the perfect gift. Dell.com slash gift guide makes gifting easy with a carefully curated selection. Shop now to explore our innovative PCs like the XPS 13 laptop, powered by the latest Intel Core processors plus accessories. Visit Dell.com slash gift guide today. That's Dell.com slash gift guide. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here. Google is out with its latest Android-based Pixel phones, as you may know, but you can expect plenty of pointless bickering to follow. Here's Charles Passy at MarketWatch, iPhone guy. Charles, what did you look at? You know, as I say, there's the, the war between Democrats and Republicans. There's the war between New York Mets fans and New York Yankees fans. And yeah, there's the war between iPhone users and Android users, and it is incredibly heated. I mean, you know, I talk to um, married couples where, you know, one spouse is, is, is Android, the other is iPhone. They bicker about this all the time. Um, and it's like a really, really partisan issue. I mean, you know, it's kind of also a reflection of, um, in a, you know, it extends to the computer world, the Apple versus the PC crowd. But, yeah. you know, and, and I guess, you know, iPhones have a reputation of sort of skewing a little bit younger, a little bit, if you will, cooler. Um, but uh, Android users just say, hey, we've got a lot of benefits to our platform that you guys are not realizing, and you are just a bunch of iSheep, uh, as, <laughs> as Apple fanatics are sometimes called. Um, you know, and what had stuck with me, or why this story or this column kind of popped to mind is because, you know, I, I had had this really unpleasant uh, argument um, with with a very close friend of mine. Uh, it was a little more than a year ago. We were both uh, we, were, we were out and about driving around looking for uh, this cool little bar we were going to go to, and we couldn't find it. We were getting lost. He pulls out his phone, which is an Android phone, to look up directions. I pull out my phone, which is an iPhone, to look up directions. And the next thing I know, he's yelling at me like, oh, you're one of those iPhone people. Oh, my God, wow. you're clueless. You're an idiot. And, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, it's my phone. I like it, you know, and 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 I pointed out that iPhones were the biggest selling phones in the U.S., which they are, although they're not the biggest selling phones internationally. Yeah. So I was like I was like and it was so weird that we were getting into this like <laughs> really, really angry discussion about our phones so um so that's that's what's going on we're speaking with charles passy he's written a column for market watch called why iphone and android users have so many fights over their phone choices that colorado couple you found was fascinating uh, the, the, oh with yeah the, with oh, the yeah. split I, I always think you know uh, husband and wife or even you just go get a phone you know together so it's the you know similar one but not these guys uh, no no a woman by the name of karen hoskin out of out of colorado she's She's an iPhone person. Uh, her her husband is 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 Android. Uh, she called him uh, Android again, connected to Google. She called him a Google psycho. Um, you know, and she's basically <laughs> describing to me how when they take pictures and he and he and 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 he takes out his his android phone she's like you're not going to take a picture with that you're not going to take a picture with that because because you know the the iphone she as far as she's concerned has a much better uh, much better for taking pictures wow. or whatever um you know 
as I point out in the column, I don't want to get into the techie stuff. I'm not a techie person. I'm just sort of more almost talking here about the cultural divide. Look, there are advantages to each platform and experts can walk you through them, uh, but it's just more fascinating how this has become personal to people and, and very, very personal. Thanks, Charles. Charles Passy, reporter at MarketWatch. Well, we'll finish with this. A Miami Hurricanes football fan is going viral for wearing a jersey and full pads while watching the team against Bethune-Cookman. But while some people found it goofy, there's actually a pretty serious story behind it. The Spun.com says after the overtime account on X, the former Twitter site, mocked the fan for thinking he's on the team, Brody Logan of KSEE 24 News pointed out that the fan named Shelton Duthette is well known for doing this during games. Mr. Logan and many other fans in the know said that while Mr. Duthette's brother was in the hospital with pneumonia, he told him it would be fun to dress in a jersey and pads for a game once he got better. His brother, though, tragically passed away, and Mr. Duthette has worn the pads with his jersey to every game he's attended since then to honor his brother's memory. Next chance to see the fully uniformed Mr. Duthette will be Saturday night when 17th-ranked Miami welcomes Georgia Tech. The game will be broadcast on the ACC Network and watch ESPN. The 4-0 Hurricanes, a roughly 19-point favorite. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Weekend.